Welcome to Shoot the Hostage, I am Dan. And I'm Sarah, and we're a movie show that covers eight films each season, tied together by a central theme. This season, the theme is folklore. We cover everything from explosive action to spine-tingling horror and everything in between. And as a heads up, we don't hold back on coarse language or specific plot details, so listener discretion is advised. This podcast is brought to you by our amazing patrons, without whom the show would not be possible. If you'd like to help out and access all of our bonus content, including new reviews and rap shows, all the relevant links will be in the show notes. And if you're not a Patreon person, but you would still like to help out, you could rate and review us on your podcast player of choice tell a friend and get them to rate and review us as well or come follow us and interact with us on social media mostly instagram x threads tiktok all at sch underscore pod without further delay here's this week's episode we hope you enjoy it and stick around Okay, welcome to the final episode of our folklore season. This time we're taking a look at the Blair Witch Project. Joining us today, 50% of the final transmission podcast, it's Jamie. It's both of our legs. No, uh, <laughs> hi guys. Hello, thanks for joining us today, Jamie. Obviously you've got a, a horror podcast and we thought, why not ask you one to talk about the Blair Witch with us? Well, I'm, I'm very glad to be here. It's lovely. It's always nice to record a podcast with Sarah. Obviously this is our first time talking about films, <laughs> Dan, but... Ever. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll have a, a wonderful time. I'm sure yes. we will. I'm sure we will. So the Blair Witch Project. I'll start with you, Jamie. What's your first memory of the Blair Witch Project? Did you see it at the cinema? Were you aware of the marketing when it hit cinemas? What was the kind of the feeling around that movie at the time for you? I remember I was firmly in the, oh, fucking what a pile of wank category. <laughs> I think yes. when I... Oh, no. I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to... Spoiler alert, I got over that, but in the year 1999, I was a 14-year-old kid that was like, I I only want the most brutal, horrifying things that you can show me. And this film, it's not necromantic. It's not... <laughs> no. It's, it's, it's not anything. So at the time... It doesn't show you anything. Yeah, so I was just like, this is... Yeah, all right, let's go into the woods and shout a bit and then go home. That was my overall... Th- th- that's that's it. I, I can I can leave now. I think I've said my bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. And that's a wrap. <laughs> how many how many um, disgusting wooden statues out of five would you give it? Well, at the age of fourteen, I would give it half. This 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 was my skinky marink, whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> Skin marink. Yeah. Now I would give it. I would give it. You know, seven out of seven weird guys standing in the corner. Seven out of seven. Wow. That's um it's a unique metric. If you haven't listened to the Final Transmission podcast, we do a very arbitrary rating system, which is based <laughs> mostly on how excited we are to have discussed the film. So okay. it's mostly like, oh, I'm really excited. I had a really good time discussing this with you, Sam. Therefore, this film is a 10 out of 10. I, I've got to say, my experience with it first time round was probably similar. Mm. I remember my friends sort of saying, oh, have you heard about this film? It's like these people went missing. And I, and I thought immediately, well, that's bollocks, because there's there's no way that they're going to show a film at the cinema where people have gone missing. It's a, it's evidence, right? Yeah. So, And then I watched it and was just kind of like, eh, 
yeah, okay. And I still I would say we'll probably get into it. I still don't love it, but I do have a kind of a new appreciation for what it did, where it sort of sits in cinema history. It's a very unique film in that respect in terms of the reception and how it was made as well. What about you, Sarah? Are you were you a huge fan when this first came out? I was I was a little bit underwhelmed, but I think the circumstances surrounding my first watch of it informed my view of the film more than the film itself. I saw it in the cinema. I was, I think, 16. A friend came with me. We'd heard all the stories about people kind of leaving because they had to vomit. They were so scared when in actual fact, it was just motion sickness, (laughs) if anything. So I was kind of, I was pretty geared up. I was, I was looking forward to it, marketing aside. And when it just sort of ended... We were really underwhelmed because that that wasn't sort of the way we'd been led to believe horror films go. So we left a little bit disappointed. And then my friend's mum picked us up afterwards and she had to park the other side of the cinema, which involved a walk through the woods (laughs) past an abandoned, dilapidated house. So yeah, that was the scary part. And because I associate the two in my mind now, I have quite a fondness for this film. That would have made all the difference. Did you go into the dilapidated house and look in the loft? Did I? Fuck no. We sprinted past it. We both... It came, <laughs> it came up on our right. We looked at each other and went, "Should we? Should we run? Yeah, fuck it!" And just bolted. Yeah. There was no chance I was going to go anywhere near it. That's understandable. I feel like if I'd have had that experience, I probably would remember it quite differently. I just, mm. I, I can you believe twenty five years, uh, twenty five oh, years ago this year it came out. That's impossible because I'm only twenty five and I was fourteen when it came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, I recently. Oh, not recently, but I, I found out that um, they did quite a lot of stuff to try and make you believe that they, these people were really missing. Oh, yeah. What, in, in terms of marketing, you mean? Yeah, and like sort of ancillary TV shows that were on like, I don't know, Discovery Channel or whatever. Yeah, we actually, um, we put on, oh shit, what was it? The, the Myth of the Blair Witch, or the Curse of the Blair Witch. Yeah, like the 45 minute thing that was aired on the Sci-Fi Channel, I think. Yeah. yeah. We actually watched that straight after the film the other night. It was pretty well done, to be honest. I feel like if you'd have been flicking through the channels late at night and seen that, that could very easily have passed as a a real documentary. It wouldn't have been out of place. I mean, you watch the History Channel now, it's full of ancient aliens, right? So Mm. it wouldn't have been out of place there. But yeah, you'd be forgiven for thinking this was a real thing. Didn't they have Mm. like missing flyers made for the cast as well? Yeah, they did, yeah. Apparently they um they had I, I don't know if it was the Cannes Film Festival there was a film festival where they had missing posters up for the actors and they were taken down after a day because a producer like I don't know who but um a notable producer had recently been kidnapped <laughs> so it was considered in poor taste and they were all removed yeah. it's just, it's stupid anyway because we know what happened to them we've seen the film like <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> missing they're still in that house clearly yeah. yeah. <laughs> what happens is they, they, they fish the map out of the creek and they they, they head on home. Mm-hmm. We do spoilers, right? Yeah, yeah oh, very yeah. much okay. so. Don't worry. <laughs> well, yeah, spoilers. They find the map in the creek and go home. Or they realise that they were actually <laughs> parallel to a main road the whole time. <laughs> yeah. How parallel to the main road were they? Were they as parallel to the main road as Bryn, what's his name's, the summer of the massacre? Where, <laughs> oh, Bryn Hammond! Yeah. <laughs> So in the, in the summer of the massacre, which I think is also a found footage film directed by 
an interesting character. Yeah, I was going to say a complete fuckhead, but okay. <laughs> There's like just a road at the back with just like cars <laughs> driving past. It went to be like the backwoods of nowhere. That's We watched that twice. Yeah, it's a bad Found hit. footage. I wish it, I wish it was lost footage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was um, it was really unique in the way that it was made. Actually, it was actually shot in '97. Okay, it was shot in October of '97, set in 1994, and released in 1999. I was watching an interview with Heather Donahue. That's the one, Donahue, and she was sort of saying that she responded to an ad, and then the ad sort of said, "Improvised acting role. You're going to be camping in the woods." And a few hundred people went along and auditioned, and obviously she got the role. But in terms of how they made it was quite interesting as well because it was a quite a short shoot eight days i think i heard six yeah. days in the woods and two days maybe miscellaneous footage mm-hmm. and what i'd heard is that they were given a sat nav and it had some so it's really interesting because it's it's like at this crossover of the early stages of a lot of these technologies that were introduced obviously the internet with the viral marketing stuff and the sat nav but the cast had these sat navs and there were these pre-programmed waypoints and they would walk along the route and get to the waypoint and there would be a milk crate with a, an orange flag in it and there were three canisters three film canisters and for each character and they would open them and it would have their direction for the day or i think just a loose this is the feeling you're, you're going to have or this is what you're going to say or something like that but then it was like four or five hours of just shooting to get to that one point really interesting way to to make a film and um probably quite inspiring for a lot of young filmmakers as well that kind of thought oh this is achievable we can we could do this yeah young filmmakers and everybody else because <laughs> i mean it was sort of the film that made everybody kind of go oh yeah anyone can do it yeah. well it, yeah the amount of money it made it, it's insane it grossed 248 million at the box office on a budget of sixty thousand dollars reportedly 50 or sixty thousand. yeah yeah um, but yeah it just massively lowered the barrier of entry to, yeah. to filmmaking didn't it and like how much of that 60 was also like their marketing budget well I, apparently well yeah from from what i've heard this this 50 or 60 didn't actually include the marketing okay interesting so i don't know who footed the bill for that presumably um who actually distributed this was it new line i don't know i because I, I i had a look on blairwitch.com i tried to have a look on blairwitch.com to see if it was still running and it took me directly to the lionsgate website ah oh, sad times so i guess that at least the website belongs to lionsgate mm. i know that the marketing i think was done by artisan Okay. But the 60,000, it's hard. You can never really fully trust what the internet says in terms of budget. And I'm sure they're not really releasing, you know, the exact figures for what they're spending money on. But 60,000 is what's reported. But then an extra sort of between 200,000 and 750,000 of post-production. Wow. Okay. The documentary that we spoke about earlier, they probably made that alongside it. I, my gut feeling is that they probably made this thing and had some ideas on how to market it and just, I don't know, it just, it seemed like they were at the right place at the right time. So they thought we can spend a cool million on marketing this thing and it worked out. It worked out great. Yeah. Mm. I think what you say about right place at the right time, I think this film like had to exist. It's like it was just sort of living in the air. All the sort of the, the technology of everything had aligned. And so someone somewhere was going to make this film and it happened to be these people. Or it happened to be whoever made the last broadcast the year before, but we don't talk about <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. In preparation for this, we actually watched the um, the found footage phenomenon documentary on Shudder last night. And I didn't really know a huge amount about the last broadcast. So that was really interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize they'd kind of been 
beaten to the idea by a, only a year. I'd never heard of the last broadcast until we watched that documentary last night. So as far as I was concerned, it was kind of the Blair Witch and that was it. That kind of mm. kick-started, you know, notwithstanding Cannibal Holocaust and the kind of the movies that were playing with that idea of reality. Um, yeah. But yeah, last broadcast is not something I've seen and wasn't aware of it. So I'm assuming that wasn't, that obviously wasn't anywhere near as popular. No, it sort of came and went. I think because it didn't have the same marketing push and it wasn't quite, I guess, just as good mm. as Blair Witch. I think for all of the nothing happens and it's just a bunch of people screaming in the woods, it is good, isn't it? It does do some interesting things and the performances are incredible. So yeah, like, for sure. A, a lot of low-budget films, you're not getting those level of performances. And yeah. the, the last broadcast is a low-budget film. I don't think it was ever going to cut through. I've, I've got a theory that Blair Witch had to happen in 1999. Like, if you tried to do it a year earlier, the technology wasn't quite there. The, the, the public weren't quite as familiar or on board with the technology. If you tried to do it a year later, you'd have a giant After Effects monster <laughs> stomping through the woods. Like, it just... It, it could only have worked in 1999. Yeah. Or everybody would be straight to Snopes.com yeah. to debunk the missing presumed dead on IMDb. Mm. You definitely couldn't repeat that sort of thing today. And it definitely could only exist oh, no. in that very specific time slot. But, it, you know, it did allow for a lot more um, found footage movies that, that came along after, right? What are, what are the some of the... Some of the big ones, Wreck, I suppose, is a. Mm. I think yeah. were Wreck and Paranormal Activity were they both two thousand seven or was yeah, Paranormal? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I couldn't remember if Paranormal Activity was later, but yeah, th there's so many films that owe everything to Blair Witch. Mm. To be honest, mostly because producers were like, "You can shoot this for no money." Yeah, it's yeah. like the quiz show of movies. Like it costs nothing to make, so and any money that you make, besides the, what you spend on marketing it is profit so like why wouldn't you jump on yeah. that as quickly as possible and i don't know how much prep they did but obviously there wasn't even a script they just had i think it was like a 35 page outline and all of the dialogue was improvised mm. which i actually hadn't realized until this watch i figured the bulk of it probably was but apparently mm. everything was improvised and obviously, if you are to believe the stories the the interactions with whatever the witch in inverted quote marks um in the woods were all improvised that was the director and the crew kind of fucking with them mm. to try and elicit genuine reactions but oh man it worked yeah i remember reading an interview where they would hear the noises in the woods and sort of put their shoes on and be like okay i guess we've got to fucking act now <laughs> okay and then turn the cameras on and be scared okay interesting do you know what always kind of irks me a little bit if i were one of the three in the Blair Witch Project, I think I'd have been gutted that I didn't also get a directorial credit. Literally. Like DOP yeah. or something. Story credit. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a little bit cheeky. Obviously, they were directed mm -hmm. by these sort of navigation devices and they were given direction in, in or like some characterization in these, uh, in these canisters. But like when you're improvising everything and, and the director is nowhere to be seen, it does, does feel a little bit cheap. To, to yeah. not give these people some some of that credit. And like the idea that like they also don't really go on and do an awful lot of stuff. Yeah, Joshua Leonard's the only one who's really had much of a career in the industry. Yeah. Having said that, <laughs> I know he did a film with Mark Duplass. Oh, he was in Unsane. Um, I've seen him crop up in a few things, but yeah, the other two kind of yeah. just 
drifted away, didn't they? I know Heather Donahue left the industry completely to go and grow medical marijuana, apparently. I read that she changed her name a few years ago to distance herself from the Blair Witch Project. The person in this film that should have had the biggest career is the woman at the beginning with the baby. She is amazing. I am. I'm a big fan of the old lady that they call a lunatic. <laughs> I think all of the like the Vox Pop people are the best actors I've ever seen in my life. Do you, Do you think, think they must have just shot a thousand people and just left in the three that were the best? Because you had the, yeah. the the woman with the baby, who was there was a very excellent, well timed moment with the kid putting his hand over her mouth when <laughs> she was telling retelling the, the Blair Witch story. Yeah, um, yeah, and she sort of mouthed. She sort of said, "Oh, I'm just telling a story," and mouthed to the crew, oh, "It's not a story, like it's true." <laughs> and then there was the fisherman. Were they the you damn fool kids will never learn guys? Yeah. Well, apparently they were all plants. No, they, they were humans. Like people to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, there's two of you now. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> no, but the three guys who were making the documentary were under the impression, like the directors had told them that the Blair Witch myth was real so they were told to go out and interview people but the few that ended up being in the film apparently were pre-selected beforehand it wasn't as random as the film makes it seem but the the old lady apparently made the story up on the spot no way yeah <laughs> give her a job give, give her, her an another oscar job. yeah <laughs> i do think the acting in this is is pretty great i do mm. think heather especially she won a razzie right that's nuts yeah it's the wild. worst i don't get i the only reason I think that that could have been given is, and it's through no fault of her own, but the fact that it was parodied to death and it yeah. became, that scene became a bit of a joke. Yeah. But her acting is incredible. She's mm. amazing. Yeah, I think it's probably just misogyny, right? It's the, it's the Skylar yeah. White thing. It's like, as a character, she's annoying, so we, we must hate her. I mean, they're all pretty annoying. Yeah, it's true. At least Heather didn't kick the map into a creek well at least they found it afterwards and then they went home <laughs> yeah <laughs> happy ending i think everybody in it is great but i think this film would fall down without her yeah. she sells the shit out of that performance i've got a question do you think that the documentary that they're making would be any good it looks no. like a load of shit no absolutely not <laughs> What was the documentary that they were making? We're going to go and sit in the woods. Well, it was about yeah. the Blair Witch, wasn't it? It was about, um, what's her name? Ellie Kedward? Kemper. Kedward. <laughs> no, I kept doing that. <laughs> is she Ellie Kemper? Is that someone from The Office? Yeah. yeah. It's Kimmy, <laughs> Kimmy Schmidt. Um, yeah, like they made up all these people like Ellie Kedward and Rustin Parr. So they were sort of digging into this um, this mythos. But yeah, no, it wouldn't have been any good. No. Assuming that they didn't really believe that the Blair Witch was a true, real thing, well, I don't really know what they were hoping to capture in the forest. Just a, <laughs> a fun time camping trip, probably. Effectively, yeah. Maybe just like a load of B-roll of like trees and darkness and stuff. But whoa, they actually found loads of piles of rocks. So it was scary. The 14-year-old the in me just jumped out. Sorry. <laughs> Don't forget the sticks. They found some sticks in oh, the forest yeah. as well. And teeth. Yes. That would have scared you. Come on. Tooth. One tooth. A tooth. Singular. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> was it definitely a tooth? Yeah. Because I, I, I thought it was a tooth. And I wondered if it was a bit of a Rorschach thing because I've heard lots of different people say, oh, it was a finger, it was a tongue, a finger? it was a toe, it was, definitely it was an elbow. A tooth. It was a tooth. I thought, I thought it was a tooth. Yes, yeah. yeah. so we all in, agreed it's a tooth. Yeah. Anyone that says it's incorrect. not a tooth is a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you said it was a finger or an elbow or whatever. Jamie from Final Transmission thinks you're a fucking moron. Yeah. You're not welcome at the Final Transmission Patreon. Only three pounds a month. <laughs> Cut him out. <laughs> join our Patreon for three pounds a month. If you join them both, it's only six pounds a month. What yeah, a deal. It's no cheaper. <laughs> the budget for the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> the only reason I remember the budget is because Chris Rock at the MTV Movie Awards that year made that joke about it. And I don't know why I remember this so clearly. Is it because Heather Donahoe sla- slapped him around the face? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I don't. I think he must have been presenting an award at the time, but I just remember him saying, he, he started talking about the Blair Witch and said... Oh, apparently they made it for 50 grand, which means somebody's walking around with 49 grand in their back pocket. And that's stuck in my head ever since. 25 years that's been living rent free in my brain. It's the perfect opportunity to get it out. Yeah. I've been waiting for it. (laughs) It's paid off. (laughs) What did they spend the 60 grand on, do you think? Well, I don't know because... Equipment rental, I guess. Well, they bought the equipment... But I did read that they returned one of the cameras after the fact and got a refund. Oh, I've heard this before, actually. Just <laughs> yeah. some people doing this, yeah. I, I heard that they recorded it on digital and analog, like Tommy Wiseau. I was going to say, they went the Wiseau route. <laughs> well, they, Why not? they did shoot, like, a, a chunk of it shot on 16mm, isn't it? And then a chunk mm-hmm. of it shot on what I assume is one of those pink pro shot cameras that everybody had in <laughs> the year 2000. Two megapixel. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's top of the range, 999, right? Yeah, it was once upon a time. 16 millimeter film and all that isn't cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Insurance. I mean. Did they have insurance? Yeah, I just, as soon as the words left my mouth, I thought <laughs> they probably didn't have insurance. They didn't have if a they, script, Dan. <laughs> if they had insurance, they must have got a big payout when they, when all three of the actors disappeared. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's where the marketing budget came from. <laughs> It could have just all been an elaborate insurance scam, couldn't it? They could have they could have done that. Most yeah. profitable insurance scam of all time. So I didn't realise until two days ago that Burkittsville wasn't fake. Burkittsville, Maryland is a real place. I think I'd convinced myself that it was like a bit of a Haddonfield deal. Well, Haddonfield's not real. Well, is that the that's the Halloween one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That Haddonfield isn't real. There is a Haddonfield in New Jersey that they named it after, but that's different. Um, But yeah, so Burkittsville, Maryland is real. And apparently the sign got stolen on opening night of this film. I wonder if they still have it. Maybe they sold it on eBay. Yeah. Did it really used to be called Blair? I have no idea. I'm going to say probably not. I don't know. If all the the mythos was invented, maybe not. Yeah. Because I think when when the film was... In early stages, it was originally called the Black Hills Project, which is what mm. the hills are really called around okay. Maryland. Huh. I wonder if they fictionalized it because they didn't want the area to get like a bad reputation then. Yeah. Or like film location nerds descending on the small town. How? What, what's your sort of Birkinsville listenership contingent like? Is there someone out there that can correct us? Zero to the best of my knowledge. What uh, what state is Burkittsville in? Maryland. Oh, Maryland. That's a state, is it? Okay. Um, my geology's not great. <laughs> geology. So, <laughs> I don't remember seeing the Maryland pop up on uh, podcast stats, so maybe we don't have a listener in Maryland. If you know someone in Maryland, get them to listen and let us know. I like how you say it like it's a theme park. <laughs> <laughs>
you have to queue up to get in, get a wristband yeah. for a year's year's pass. It's great. I don't know if I would pay for that. I certainly wouldn't queue for it. Not if you have to no. camp. Good seafood though. Is it seafood? Is seafood in Maryland? Yeah, Baltimore's there, right? Yeah. Two things that I know about Baltimore is John you, Waters. Yeah, there's criminals. <laughs> well, th- okay, three things. There's criminals. There's poo, and there's seafood. <laughs> there's what? There's did, poo. Did you? <laughs> Yeah, a lot of poo in John Waters films. Oh, right, got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's The Wire, and then there's crabs, but the, the, the good kind. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> differentiating. Everything I learned about Baltimore, I learned from John Waters. I've only seen one John Waters movie, and that's probably the last John Waters move, movie that I'm going to watch. Was that a dirty shame? <laughs> no. Pink Flamingo. <laughs> Wait, so you've not seen Cecily Demented? I haven't made him yet. I will. It, that's a, it's a real film. It's got Stephen Dorff in it and everything. Mm-hmm. Like all real Griffin. films should. Oh, Stephen Dorff, you say? Oh, <laughs> sign me up. He peaked, with, he peaked with Space Truckers and then <gasps> never never done anything as good. Oh, and Blade. 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 Series three of True Detective. Uh, he was in, was he in Blood Rain? Was he in Uwe Boll's Blood Rain or one of those fuckers? I don't think I've ever seen that. I think he peaked with The Gate, personally. Was he in that as a child? Yes. Is Ethan Hawke also in that? No. You're thinking no. of Explorers, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. This went to a weird place. Yeah. Five out of five uh, little stick figures <laughs> for Sesame uh, Demented. Five out of five, yeah. I haven't watched it in ages. It's It's been so long that it's become one of those films I'm too scared to revisit in case it's shit. I feel like it caught me at the exact right time and it introduced me to a load of directors that I hadn't really mm. discovered yet. So like... I'm watching like Fastbinder because of it and stuff like that. Peckinpah. Yeah. And then A Dirty Shame, Selma Blair has massive norks. So, you know, something for everyone in, in these uh, <laughs> John Waters films. <laughs> I thought you said you'd seen Pecker. You've seen two of his films. Pecker. That's, yeah, that's the one with John Connor Furlong. with the, the, the camera boy. He's got a camera yeah. or something. Yeah. I have <laughs> yeah. seen that a long time ago. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that was John Waters though. Actually, to be fair, no, Pink Flamingos was enough for me. No thanks. That's fair. He made some films that are real films. Yeah. Serial Mom, great. Agreed. I guess that about wraps it up for the uh, the John Waters <laughs> cast. Yeah. You said something before, like, I don't know if it was you or if it was Sarah that said it, anybody could make this type thing. Mm. But almost like that thing that you get with modern art where it's like, my, my kid could draw that. <laughs> but like, they didn't. Somebody made this. And, it, and for all of its sort of foibles, it does kind of fucking rule. Do you know what? Despite what I said before about me being underwhelmed the first time I saw it, I do actually think this is a good horror film. Yeah. I don't necessarily think the characters are likable or even relatable. I mean, I would never, you'd have to pay me to go camping. They're not relatable to me from minute one. Mm. But I don't know, the way they the way they edited the footage together, I think definitely shows some skill because they they do sort of ratchet up the tension. When I when I sort of said anybody could make it, I don't know, that sounds a bit too derisory. There is definitely some skill on show. Yeah. Obviously, the the directors didn't necessarily make the footage themselves, but the way that the film has been constructed is great, yeah. genuinely. I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Because you you sort of are coming at this from the opposite end of the spectrum, I'm guessing. I I don't really enjoy watching this film it's really short so i wouldn't say it's a slog because you can put it on and it's hour and 20 minutes later it's finished and there's some really interesting stuff going on 
but I would never choose to sit down and watch this. I don't think it's scary at all. The performances are really good and I believe that they're scared. I don't know. There's just something a bit unattainable for me with it. I don't know. It doesn't quite work for me as a as a piece of entertainment, but as um as a project, as a piece of art and as a piece of sort of cinema history now, I respect it. Mm. I just don't really like it. I think part of that stems from maybe the fact that it doesn't end in a way that is mm. satisfying, which like... I guess it's also kind of true to life for the in, in terms of it as the as a project or as as a piece of art uh, or as something that's meant to be a real artifact. I think because it doesn't end in a in a way that feels cinematic or entertaining, it's just sort of a, a spooky thing happens and then it ends and then the credits roll. But maybe that is a big factor. Like I kind of like that. I like that it's a it's a fill in the blanks movie. All the scary stuff is happening at the edge of your eyes, and you have to sort of apply your own scary thing to it and then it's like whatever scares you you know it's like a oh shit there's a good day's hard work in the woods or something it's uh yeah whatever scares you is 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 there and you can sort of apply that but because it's a film and the and and we're sort of watching it through through the lens almost like through the little camera lens that we would watch like a if you were filming it yourself it does create a little bit of distance mm. it's funny because most people say that they like found footage movies because of that kind of the sense of reality that sense of not quite immediacy because it's not like a like a video game where you are the protagonist but there is that element of first person you are put in their shoes mm. in a very sort of literal way through their perspective i don't know do you not do you not think that adds to to the spookiness dan let me let me preface this by saying this film doesn't scare me but i can recognize that it is scary yeah. I'm I have trouble recognizing that it's scary and I can't remove myself from my original experience from it. Mm. Um, okay. I think uh, as well I do I don't love found footage movies in general. That was going to be my next question. Are there any that you actually enjoy or is it just the the subgenre as a whole that you don't really care for? I think it's the subgenre as a whole, I think it depends on okay. the project. For the Blair Witch in particular, the characters were kind of interesting, but it was very surface at the same time. And I feel like there wasn't much to do with characters. You know, they didn't really go on an arc and a journey. Obviously, Heather does kind of recognize that she was a bit naive and got them into trouble at the end. But I wouldn't really call that a character arc. I do prefer to have something a bit deeper to dig into, or I want it to be really entertaining. And I didn't, it didn't fit either of those for me but in, okay. in terms I was gonna say I, I disagree to some extent I think from my perspective I found the interactions to be really compelling in a sort of I don't know like a Stanford prison experiment way because it felt quite real these three people are in this scenario that so few people would ever find themselves in look at how they're reacting look at how they're infighting and kind of devolving like that to me was really interesting what about you Jamie do you think much of the fan footage subgenre as a whole? Do you get much out of it? I think if you, if I was to give you an answer, it would be that I don't like fan footage movies, but I don't okay. like to just to just Generalize. disregard a whole genre or a whole style of film mm -hmm. because like there, there's a bunch that I like. I really like As Above, So Below. Ugh. I like that. Sarah hates it. <laughs> Is that found footage? Why do you hate it? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It's just, oh, it's not for me. Found footage, horror, Indiana Jones. What's not to like? Yeah, Agree to disagree. <laughs> I really like Grave Encounters. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, I'm remembering Session 9 as found footage, but I might be making that up. 
is that the asbestos removal company? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's good. The Borderlands is one I always reference. Yeah. Big, big fan of the Borderlands. Yeah. But I think we're going to be covering that in the next couple of months. I really want oh, Sam to sweet. watch it. Okay. Nice. Look forward to that. Yeah. You so you showed me that a, a couple of years ago, Sarah, and I really mm. liked that one. There, there are a couple of exceptions, the Borderlands, which I completely forgot about until just now. I really love Chronicle, mm. but I think for me, the found footage movies that I tend to enjoy, I think probably didn't need to be found footage movies. They could have been shot mm. in a more conve- conventional way. Um, okay. As an entry point, I find it quite difficult to grasp, quite difficult to to latch onto. Because as I said, I just feel like I'm watching a home movie. I feel like my weird cousin has, has sat me down and said, <laughs> watch my holiday video where I went on a ghost <laughs> walk and there was spooky things that were happening. It's like, no. Is your weird cousin TJ Miller and he went to New York that one time and his girlfriend's head exploded? <laughs> No, we don't we don't claim TJ Miller. He's an odd one. Yeah, he's a baddie, isn't he? Yeah. Apparently. Oh. It's always the really fucking annoying ones, isn't it? <laughs> it's always the ones you expect. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you're doing a, a folklore theme at the moment. And mm-hmm. I think that the folklore that exists around the Blair Witch, which obviously they've expanded on over subsequent movies and like the other stuff that they did, I think it's really rich and like quite well realized and really true to real folklore and real sort of local legends that people tell about the places that they live. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. They obviously kind of went the extra mile to make this whole thing quite, um, not necessarily realistic, but yeah, to make it rich in detail yeah. and to make it feel kind of lived in. Have you have you seen Adam Wingard's Blair Witch? Is that the third one? I believe so. Are there th- there's three, right? Yeah. There's only three. Is yeah. It- so the 2016 one, I believe. I have watched it, but I couldn't tell you a single thing about it. (laughs) The one good thing that came out of that being released was I went to see that at the cinema and because it was back in the zeitgeist, some uh, like film society at the local university did a screening of the Blair Witch Project, but they set up a um, projector in the woods. Nice. And they had a couple of kids from like the amateur dramatics course or whatever kind of leading you through and they'd put big stick figures up in the in the trees and like they sort of did a five minute walk to get to the the seats and the projector and that was chef kiss. It was so good. If you're going to watch The Blair Witch Project, watch it in the woods. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting way. I would be up for that. If if they put that on again, I would Mm. definitely want to go to that. I do think these experiences do add to watching a a movie as well. I heard about them showing Jaws in Chelmsford once in in a river and you're on like a little dinghy thing. Okay. Quite interesting. (laughs) I'm too scared of like flotation devices. (laughs) It's a very... Not sharks. (laughs) It's a very specific fear, Jamie. <laughs> when I was a Not kid, sharks, just dinghies. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was in Barmouth in North Wales, and I was on a lilo, and it just drifted a little bit too far out. And I sort of looked back, and the the people on the shore were like little specks, little dots. <laughs> oh no! And I was like, oh shit, I've gone quite far out. Uh, and I looked around me, and I was just surrounded by thousands of jellyfish. Holy shit! <laughs> and it was just the scariest thing that has ever happened to i think anybody objectively yes yeah <laughs> how did you get out of that i assuming you did I just sort of you're not a ghost maybe you didn't and this is all a dream yeah this is uh jacob's ladder you're still there dissociating yeah. this is jamie's lilo <laughs> um i just sort of paddled like mad just kicked my feet and hoped for the best closed your eyes and thought of home yeah that's scary 
Very scary. So you won't go near any inflatable objects? I mean, I'll, I'll go in a bouncy castle. Oh, if the bouncy right. castle is on water. <laughs> so it's the combination. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't call a bouncy castle a flotation device. But it could be. It could be. <laughs> Not it, No, it couldn't because you have to carry around the, the pump thing that you have to plug in. So it would sink. <laughs> but if it's already inflated. Yeah, isn't there an episode of Bob's Burgers where they, where they tape it up and put it on the lake? <laughs> yeah. Is... This is a question that's, that's, that's important that I ask. And is is it relevant? relevant. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Is a hot air balloon a flotation device? Ooh. Or, oh, I don't know. What, what's a dirigible? Is it classed as a dirigible? <laughs> I genuinely I think, don't is know. It, it's just in its own class, isn't it? Hot air balloon. Because I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's floating. But you need the hot air to power it. Yeah. Is it not a similar principle to the, to the bouncy castle? If you seal it up, I mean, you're not flying anymore, but you'll float. I, to me, like flotation device is passive. Once it's blown up and sealed, it's good to go. Whereas yeah. the hot air balloon has an opening at all times and requires the hot air. Yeah. Well, these are all important questions that we're, <laughs> that we're asking. <laughs> that have fuck all to do with the Blair Witch Project. Okay, here's a question. Here's a question about the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> okay. If, if you were going to make the Blair Witch Project as a narrative feature, mm. not in the found footage genre, what would you do differently? And would it be Blair Witch 2? I would introduce flotation devices just to scare <laughs> you. That would be terrifying, but they could also just float home downstream or out to sea, either way. No, because Mike would pop it just out kick, of spike. Kick it onto the land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Wingard kind of did that already, didn't he? He, he kind of... So, so the 2016 movie is a sequel? Is it? Yes, yeah, because um, the main character is the brother of Heather. Okay. I'd and he says that. he's seen a video on YouTube that looks like it was taken in the Blair Witch house and he thinks he's seen his sister in it. That's right. Yeah, we watched it quite recently, but like Jamie, mm. I've forgotten almost all of it. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it was obvious, it's obviously a sequel, but it was kind of a remake as well, wasn't it? Because didn't it hit a lot of the same beats, only it was upgraded for modern, more modern times. So they had a drone and yeah. they had to explain away their mobile phones and things like that. <laughs> That's another thing that I find really refreshing about this film. There are so few horror films that aren't, oh no, yeah. no bars. Yeah. No, my mobile phone in sight. People just living in the moment. <laughs> Talking about mashed potatoes. I love the fact that Josh's last words are about mashed potatoes. I, I've got a real issue with that because if you're talking about, if you're starving and you're like, oh, think of all this glorious food we could be eating. I, I don't know if I would really be thinking about the easiest food you could make. Boil a potato <laughs> and then smash it a bit. Potatoes are God tier food though. I enjoy a yeah. potato. Don't get me wrong. I heard that he's a... He's being puppeteered by a by a badger. <laughs> oh, so it's Smash specifically yeah. that he's talking about. I when he's going, oh, I've got a cheeseburger in my pocket. Like that cheeseburger is fucked, mate. <laughs> Even if it's real, which it isn't, you've imagined a cheeseburger. You put it in the worst place. <laughs> nobody wants your pocket cheeseburger. <laughs> Literally, nobody wants. I don't think I'd even eat a cheeseburger that was in my own pocket, let alone somebody else's pocket. No, no way. I, I did hear that the directors, obviously you talked about these sort of um, parcels that were left for them, these boxes or whatever. Apparently they did give them like less and less food each time. They basically, like they effectively, you mentioned Texas Chainsaw already, but they kind of Marilyn Burns these people, which 
granted got really good authentic performances but i'm not convinced of the ethics of it i would hope that they kind of went in knowing what they were signing up for obviously they knew that they were going to be camping in the woods hopefully they sort of said Mm. you know we're going to be keeping you up at night and playing weird noises of children i don't think they did brief them on the specifics like that um to try and get a real reaction yeah, yeah, like the scene right. when they're filming in the tent and something is banging on the tent, that was completely off the cuff. That was totally unplanned. And they didn't know the directors were going to be doing that. Yeah. Well, they must have said, you know, we're going to be a bit weird at least and said, you know, expect <laughs> that you're going to be unhappy for a week. I guess so, yeah. I think this is just another reason that this film couldn't happen today, though, because health and safety laws have increased yeah. to such a point that nobody would agree to it anymore. The unions would never allow it, Sarah. Exactly, yeah. Bloody unions. Can't do anything anymore. <laughs> All right, Thatcher. We've got to treat people with, res- <laughs> with respect. I don't know what this country's coming to now. We've got to pay them the, the correct wage? What? <laughs> <laughs> Not in my day. <laughs> it's it's weird the trajectory isn't it because like it's seven in the 70s if you wanted a kid to cry in your film you would kill their dog off camera <laughs> or, or whatever <laughs> then like <laughs> I, I don't think i've seen that film then like you would shoot a gun near them or something like peck and pa would bring a gun to set and just sort of shoot it to make people freaked out uh, so this this seems relatively tame yeah. by comparison oh i didn't get to have <laughs> two rounds of toast i only got one and somebody it. poked the tent i was in yeah <laughs> it's basically tactics that producers of reality tv shows would employ right i'm thinking of yeah, yeah. i mean we, we just Let's... had squid game yeah i mean that's probably the the most recent comparison right yeah why did they pretend to be shot really fucking <laughs> annoyed know. me <laughs> I quite enjoyed the uh, the dramatics of it. I liked what, were, what I liked were their towards, instructions towards the end when they were like a bit over it and they were like, "Oh, fuck it, I've been shot now." <laughs> Just don't do it. What are they going to do? Just refuse to say no. I'm not going to pretend that I've been shot. What are you going to yeah. do? Not give like, me I'm the out money anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather screw up your TV show. But then I guess there was enough people in there that were doing it that they just wouldn't have used the one of us going, "Fuck you, we're not doing yeah. it." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, just to sort of bring it back to Blair Witch then. It, 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 <laughs> <Probably should. laughs> it, did, it did feel like they were sort of employing those sort of techniques that reality TV shows might use probably mm. now and probably starting around that sort of time, 99. I know reality TV kind of precedes that a little bit. It's kind of like minor psychological warfare. Yeah, as long as the producers were like, look, you're going to go camping for a week. You might be a bit hungry. You're not going to be very happy. You're not going to get paid any money. Witch. You you might be a witch, you might lose a tooth, you might get (laughs) wet feet, you might not get another job for the rest of your career. As long as they said all of that up front, then I I don't, I don't, I think it was fine, but... You might be memed for the next 25 years. Yeah. You might have to change your name to distance yourself from the project. Oh, I do feel bad for her. She was so good. It's weird, isn't it? Because it's like she was a victim of her own success in a way. Because I feel yeah. like the performance was so believable. And as I think you touched on something earlier, Jamie, when you said that it might be some kind of internalised misogyny there. And I feel like a lot of people probably saw that. And because there was this kind of grey area where reality meets fiction, a lot of people kind of assumed that that was her real life persona. Yeah. Well, yeah, their the character names were their actual names, weren't yeah. they? So yeah. Yeah, kind of hard to separate yourself from that. It's hard because that was the performance of a, of a lifetime. I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to find a performance that I think is better in a found footage movie 
I would agree, yeah. Yeah. And it's only been parodied a million times because it was so done so well, because it was so successful. It's like the Matrix, they parodied the Bendy Bendy Keanu gun time. What's that called? Fight Bullet, <laughs> bullet fight, Time. Bullet time. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Which also sounds stupid if you say it enough times. Oh, it's bullet time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like hammer time. Yeah. It, it's like, it's another reality TV show, isn't it? Bullet time. It's a, it's a Russian roulette. I'd watch it. I'd watch it if people had to pretend to get shot. <laughs> yeah, if they had a dye pack on them, they exploded. Yeah. After they've tried to carve a star out of a biscuit. <laughs> yeah. So... One thing that kind of struck me this time while I was watching, I haven't seen this film in years, I'll be honest. And I know you said, Dan, that beyond the first viewing, once you know what you're getting, there's not a lot there. For me. Which is fair. I understand that. It's not one I revisit very often, although my opinion of it is higher than yours. But there are some of the editing choices that I didn't love. I understand them because which, um, was it, which camera was it that took the black and white footage? The 16 mil, I think. That was the 16 mil. Okay. So obviously because that couldn't record audio, whenever they inserted the 16 mil footage with audio, it was kind of voiceover and it didn't match what they were saying. It didn't match the footage that we were seeing. And I found that really jarring. I think if I could redo anything in this film, it would be to to scrap that. Mm. Because that, to me, made it seem more constructed and less fan footage. I think that, that that's quite cool at the end, though, when Heather is shooting on the 16 mil and the sound mm-hmm. is coming from the camera that Michael has dropped. Yeah. So it, it creates a, a weird like bit of distance and a weird like disconnect between the what you're seeing and what you're hearing, but you know that you're hearing mm. the same thing that... Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's really cool. It's a really cool choice, but I, I know what you mean. Like in other, other places, it does seem a bit wonky. It, yeah, it just struck me as a little bit odd when I was watching it the other night. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, there isn't a huge amount I would change about this. I think, obviously, we've talked about it sort of happening at exactly the right time in pop culture history and kind of technology. And it was sort of the perfect storm, really. Yeah. In terms of what Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Merrick have gone on to do, have you guys seen much of their their work beyond Blair Witch? Uh, I've seen Altered. What did you think of Altered? Because I really rate that. I, I like it. I remember liking it a lot. I don't remember an awful lot about it, but I do remember liking it a lot. I remember okay. thinking it had some really cool and interesting choices. Yeah. Dan, you didn't enjoy that one, did you? <laughs> I, I was about to say I haven't seen Altered, but apparently I have. <laughs> you have yeah. seen Altered. Yeah, right. it was the, they find an alien in the woods at the start. And I don't want to say too much more than that because I don't want to spoil it. Is Michael Ironside in it? No, you're thinking of extraterrestrial. (laughs) Do we see the Blair Witch in Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows? I think you get a bit more lore. Obviously, Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows, or to give it its proper name, Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2. Um, (laughs) it's, it's It's a film film, so it's a little bit more cinematic. I don't remember an awful lot about it. I wondered if we if we got more of a, a glimpse of the Blair Witch in the sequel, Jamie, which you, you've got a show out on that at the moment. Uh, see link in the description. Yes. So that's um, coming out also today or yesterday, if you listen to this tomorrow or <laughs> whatever. But I've not watched it yet. So who knows? This could go either way. What if you hate it? What if you've misremembered? If I hate it. I'm sure I won't hate it because I'm one of these sort of sycophantic, sloppy blowjob <laughs> knobheads that loves everything. Uh, and I reckon it'll be good. Okay. It's got Kurt Loder in it. 
What's not to <laughs> what learn? could go wrong? MTV's Kurt Loader. <laughs> yeah. I remember actually being fairly excited for the sequel to come out because I was a bit disappointed by the original Blair Witch and thought, oh, they've got a real budget for the second one. Maybe this will be good. And I didn't enjoy it very much. And I haven't seen it since. But maybe it's due a reappraisal. Yeah. Uh, maybe when your when your show comes out, I'll watch it before that. Sarah, maybe we'll sit down and watch that before. I'd give it a second watch, yeah. I've got a very distinct memory of that film. I think that came out in two thousand or two thousand and one, a year or so. Oh, I after. thought it was I thought it was later than that. I thought for some reason I thought there was a bigger gap between the films. I think it was a very small gap. I think it was a year. No, yes. Yeah, Basically straight away. That would make sense. I think obviously this film did so well the production companies, I guess, wanted to capitalise on yeah, that. Let's just strike while the iron was hot. Let's just turn out a, a sequel as quickly as possible, as is normal behaviour. But I've got a very dis- yeah. distinct memory of Blair Witch Two, because my sister is is thirteen years younger than me. And she was sitting in that you know, the, the things that the idiot babies sit in when they bounce. <laughs> just sitting there looking like a bell end and they <laughs> bouncy baby chair thing anyway she was sitting in that and i was babysitting and we were watching blair witch 2 and there's a, a very i would say maybe because of this experience but the best part in it the scariest part in it involves a mirror and there's a, something that happens and the timing couldn't have been better because my sister was napping in her chair and as soon as this thing happens in the mirror she woke up and was screaming exact same moment as this thing happened on screen and it scared the fuck out of me <laughs> nice so yeah, I'd be interested to revisit that, but I don't remember loving the, the movie outside of that. But that's always stuck with me. If we watch it and you tell me when that bit's coming up, I can scream next to you to replicate the experience if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, let's recreate it. <laughs> yeah, I remember just really fancying the goth girl in it. That's what everybody talks about is the goth girl in it. <laughs> I mean, fair. Yeah. It's so weird to me that, obviously, if you want to hear my real thoughts on Blair Witch 2, listen to my podcast. But... It's so weird that like Joe Berlinger directs it because obviously he's he's a big documentaries guy. Was it really? Yeah, the Paradise Lost dude. Yeah, wow. But he makes but he makes the least documentary vibe of a Blair Witch movie. It's so it's okay. so okay. Had he? Yeah, no, he must have done the Paradise at least one Paradise Lost film by that point. I think the first two were maybe out by the time that this came out. Holy shit! I didn't realize that was him. And now he's just churning out docs for Netflix, isn't he? Yeah. Did he do the Jinx? Was he was he involved in the Jinx? I don't know. I think maybe maybe the Fire Festival one was him, or I might be confusing him with the guy who made American Movie because he's also made some Netflix documentaries. We were robbed of a million Mark Borchardt movies. I know. Coven. Coven. <laughs> where where do you? I, I know that you obviously do a wrap up show. Mm-hmm. Where you talk about the the theme as a whole? Where do you put the Blair Witch Project in terms of like what 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 folklore movies you've uh, you've engaged with so far? In terms of Ooh. quality or in terms of folkloriness? Yeah, in like a ranked list. I guess give me give me both. Folkloriness, I would say probably towards the top, just because it was completely invented and they went ham. They went into so much detail creating this thing. And I really respect that. In terms of the films that we've covered and the quality, I would say probably more towards the bottom end, which sounds controversial given that I do like this film and I do rate it reasonably highly. I think it's been a really strong season. 
we've watched some excellent movies yeah. in this season. We've had Oni Baba and Candyman and Black Christmas and The Vivitch. For me, it's definitely hanging out the bottom. I would say I'd probably put this above Rare Exports because of what it did for mm. cinema. I I can't. I still can't believe you hate Rare Exports as much as you do. I didn't. I didn't get much out of it. That's definitely at the bottom. And this is probably just slightly above that in terms of quality and in terms of how often I'm going to revisit something. But in terms of what they did as a as a project and an experiment, it's unique. There's not really anything else mm. like it. Yeah, It's really hard to put into a pigeonhole, even though we have tried to crowbar into a folklore season. And it definitely qualifies. Obviously, the folklore is, the folklore of this movie is all fiction. It's all made up. And I guess maybe a lot of folklore is. I, I've only recently learned that King Arthur folklore is based on fact. <laughs> I mean, it, the thing with folklore is that we'll never really know. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the thing, isn't it? These stories just get mm. passed along from person to person, and they change slightly with each retelling. So we'll never really know fact from fiction, and I think that's kind of what I love about them. A lot of the folklore that, that exists around the UK, at least, is basically like warning signs like mm. don't go in the water because fucking jenny green teeth will get you but it just it's because you'll just drown like <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely something we've discovered this season is almost all folklore exists to get children to behave ultimate thoughts on the blair witch project then what do we think i think it's great i do think that if you give three people that want to be in films a camera and send them into the woods you will get Probably hours and hours and hours of bullshit. But they managed to cut together something that made these people look pretty good, even if it did win Heather Donahue or Arazi. I'm still sad about that. I didn't realise. It's a bunch of bullshit. It is. She was great. And to know that the scene that was so heavily memed was completely ad-libbed as well. She's great. She she deserved a much better career. I think... there. I do have a, a couple of issues with that scene. Like, she's meant to be like a film student, right? But she she... Shoots her own face very badly. Well, apparently the, the scene was intended to be a wider shot, but she zoomed in by accident and they kept it. I mean, you would keep it because the performance is so great. Well, yeah, but that does kind of back up the point you were making. <laughs> yeah, like literally. Like she's meant to be a film student. You'd expect to not see so much of the inside of her nose. That was but, almost medical at one point. Yeah, I think it's a, a minor thing, but it's it's a good film. I think. Like you guys, I just really respect the vibe, respect that it happened, respect the, the process that they went through to make it. What did I say? Seven out of seven dudes, <laughs> dudes in the corner? Stickmen. I don't know. Yeah. You're sticking with seven out of seven then? Sure. Okay. It's arbitrary. It's, it's good. Two thumbs gone, missing. <laughs> Two thumbs kicked into the creek. <laughs> Fuck you, Mike. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's... Obviously, understandably kind of cited as a bit of a classic of the genre. It sparked an absolute influx of shitty fan footage movies, which, you know, maybe not a great thing, but did enable a lot of people to make films who otherwise couldn't have done. And like, maybe we wouldn't have things like Tangerine, um, Sean, I want to say Sean Baker, making films on iPhones, you know, maybe if it hadn't been for things like this and people sort of realizing, oh, we can make something with almost nothing, then its influence is kind of undeniable. So for that, it's two thumbs up for me. And it's kind of parodied and homaged 
to the same extent that things like Here's Johnny from The Shining and stuff like that is, which is kind of an incredible achievement. You can't really yeah. ignore it. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty enthusiastic about this film. Dan <laughs> is not enthusiastic. I think I've kind of given my thoughts and, and feelings on it already. As a piece of entertainment, I'd probably put on the Wingard one if I'm going to watch a Blair Witch movie. Do you think that the people um, responsible for the marketing, because we don't know how much that um, Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Merrick actually did in terms of promotion. Do you think whoever was responsible for the marketing is sort of more deserving of praise than the filmmakers themselves? I wouldn't say that. I would say the filmmakers, they made something on a minuscule budget but um what they managed to come up with was really interesting i respect it for what it is but it's just it's not it's not something that i would choose to sit down and watch as a piece of entertainment but yeah brilliant mm. brilliantly made that's for fair. what it is okay then that's our last episode of our folklore season jamie thank you very much for joining us as we said earlier in the show check out final transmissions podcast it's an excellent horror movie podcast we will be back on the main feed on the 4th of march with a brand new season i'm choosing this season and i've chosen neo-western as a theme mm. and our first our first movie is going to be logan i am quietly stoked for this season i didn't think i was going to be but i am well we spent quite a lot of time going through what does neo-western mean and googling things and we came up with a list that we're both happy with but that starts on march the 4th so um don't forget to tune in to us then if you do want to keep listening to us while we're on our break you could head over to our patreon for three pounds a month where we talk about all of our new release movies that we go and see we promise two a month but we always do more than that and next week you'll have access to end of season rap show as well discussing all of the folklore movies that we've watched this season and some we we watched peripherally on the side mm. thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you on the fourth <laughs>